Welcome to the Terrorist Therapist Show on Renegade Talk Radio with your host, Dr. Carroll. Though you may not realize that the ongoing threat of terrorism is affecting your life and that of your loved ones. Each week, Dr. Carroll analyzes the hottest topics in terror and helps you and your family reach your dreams despite living in a time of terror. War on Terror 2.0. Welcome to the Terrorist Therapist Show. I'm Dr. Carol, a psychiatrist, and you're a terrorist therapist. Well, um, today we're going to be talking about what has been happening since America surrendered to the Taliban. Now what? We're going to be looking at what's happening in Afghanistan and what's happening in America and where we are going. <laughs> And uh, spoiler alert, it is not looking good, at least, at least not for the West. All right, let me um, start with, well, let me start with um, telling you something that happened on 9-11. I just want to go briefly to 9-11, uh, a recap, and tell you about something that I did for 9-11. It was the 20th anniversary, as we all know. And as the terrorist therapist, I wanted to do something really important for that day. And um, what I did was I created a music video, not the kind you dance to, but the kind that highlights uh, the, some of the most important things that I want people to know about terrorism, uh, in particular in relation to 9-11. And so I had this 15 minute uh, music video that I created. I put uh, um, pictures and music and some television clips from interviews I've done um, and so on. And uh, I put it on a what's called a mobile billboard, basically a truck that went around ground zero, circled around ground zero on September 10th and 11th, as close as it was able to get, you know, um, other than the closed streets from eight in the morning until four in the afternoon. So needless to say, a ton of people watched it. And um, and one of the things, I mean, of course, I wanted people to get the messages. Um, and the main message was, uh, the, I, I, the first part of it had to do with five reasons why we should never forget 9-11. You know, never forget 9-11 is on bumper stickers and t-shirts and uh, all kinds of things, but it's more than a bumper sticker. There are reasons, important reasons, why we should never forget 9-11. Uh, of course, of course, um, the main reason, or well, there are five main reasons. The first reason that one thinks of, of course, is to honor the people who died and their families, and then also to honor the people who sacrificed themselves, such as the first responders and the military. Um, to teach, third reason is to teach people about terrorism and about heroes. Next, resilience, to build resilience because of the fact that 9-11 is not the last of the terror attacks on America. I mean, significant terror attacks. I mean, there have been obviously the Boston Marathon and the Orlando nightclub and so on. There have been terror attacks on America since 9-11. But I mean, people think that 9-11 could never happen again. And that is denial. Uh, there may not be an exact replica of 9-11, but certainly we are going to see more terror attacks than before. Uh, and last but not least, 
the those who forget history are doomed to repeat it. And that uh, went over a picture of the Taliban having their first press conference that kind of uh, hit that hit home with that. And then I also had symptoms that people would may well have been suffering or are still suffering from 9-11. Um, there are still effects from 9-11, as I have mentioned several times in these podcasts, um, and it bears mentioning again. Then uh, 10 ways to build resilience in kids. And then, um, and then, you know, patriotic songs and um, like over the various, um, it ended with, uh, a 1950s picture of kids pledging allegiance in a classroom and with America the Beautiful playing. So, but there were all other, you know, there's um, uh, God Bless America, God Bless the USA was uh, featured prominently in it and so on. So I would direct you, uh, it really is worth seeing. And um, I, you can see it by going to terroristtherapist.com, my website, and at the top of the homepage, you'll, there's, that's the video. You can click on the video and watch it yourself. Um, that, uh, the thing that, that um, you know, what I had wanted to do for all of this was to bring these things home, you know, these, these highlights home to people. Um, and partly because I am mad as hell and not going to take it anymore, just like in the movie Network, where mad as hell that people year after year, the commemoration of 9-11 has been less and less. And so that, that was my, this was my way of uh, explaining and, and trying to get across why, why um, we must never forget, really, not just by a bumper sticker. So, um, but, but, you know, so I wanted people to watch it and I've been in, was in touch with the driver of the truck and uh, he told me about people standing there and watching the whole thing and especially first responders and first responders taking their picture or uh, with selfies or having their picture taken in front of the truck along with other people. But what touched me the most about this whole thing was um, <clears throat> there are some incredible pictures um, of first responders uh, like one in particular of a first responder uh, bowing his head and touching his cap right in front of um, one of the pictures on the on the truck. So you can find that at my um, on my Twitter page, which is at Dr. Carol MD. <clears throat> I'm also going to have to put them uh, these new pictures on uh, terroristtherapist.com as well. Okay, one other thing to mention about 9/11, and then we can move on is um, there has been a lot of, you know, unfortunate, um, unfortunate uh, history changing. Um, and particularly notable was the Virginia Department of Education and uh, a particular school board. The Virginia Department of Education um, pro provided a video for teachers to advise teachers how to teach about 9-11 and telling them not to call the people who attacked us terrorists, because that would be uh, Islamophobic. Well, you know, if the people who attacked us, in case anyone has any additional questions, they were radical Islamists, they were Al-Qaeda, they were led by Osama bin Laden. That is the real history. 
Now, some people may not like that, but that is the truth. Uh, so more recently after that happened, a Fairfax County School Board was voting before 9-11 to have a moment of silence for 9-11 to um, honor the victims uh, for the 20th anniversary and, and the first responders. And there was one person on the board who vocally, loudly um, objected to this. And um, her name is Abrar Omish. And she has um, done similar kinds of things, uh, been the lone voice of um, try saying, talking about how, you know, um, Islamophobia and something. Now, you know, I, well, if you've listened to previous um, podcasts, you know that I am certainly against Islamophobia. My book, um, Lions and Tigers and Terrorists, it, that about teaching children about terrorism certainly talks about Islamophobia. Um, but telling the truth about history is not, <laughs> is not Islamophobic. It is um, telling the truth. Now, this same woman is the one who did something else pretty outrageous. She encouraged high schoolers at their graduation to remember jihad. She was uh, speaking at the graduation and at the graduation the commencement. And she told the students that they were entering a world of, quote, racism, extreme versions of individualism and capitalism and white supremacy. And she said in English, she said that the world sees the accolade, the diploma, the fruit of all your years, yet be reminded of the detail of your struggle. But when uh, she repeated the speech in Arabic, it was different. She told the students to remember their jihad. Now that is a word that means struggle, but it also specifically means holy war waged on behalf of Islam. So basically she was encouraging the students to wage jihad, you know, be graduated and wage jihad. I mean, these are the kinds of sensitive things that we have subtleties that we really have to be concerned about. Anyhow, fortunately, the other members of the board voted her down and they did have a moment of silence for 9-11. Now, um, according to the New York Times, um, 64,000 Afghans, uh, evacuees from Afghanistan, uh, have arrived in the United States as of September 14th. Now, you know, of course, there really isn't, I mean, this is a general figure, but it is still a lot of people. And um, about 49,000 of them um, are residing on eight domestic military bases throughout the country. 18,000 are on bases overseas. They are, we are told that they are all awaiting formal placement in the US as they submit to screenings by various federal agencies to look for security and health. But you know, that is the party line. And really there already have been Afghans who have been sent to various places all over the United States with, with none to little, no to little screening and it, both in terms of security and in terms of health, you know, not, you can imagine that not many Afghans have received um, 
vaccinations for COVID, not that I am endorsing that, but I'm just saying. Um, and so it's just like, you know, across the border from the South, people who um, are, are basically, let me just say it this way, people who are COVID positive are coming into the United States without any real screening and any, and even, even when they are found to be positive, nothing is being done about it. So um, this is a dangerous situation, not to mention, you know, the, um, the danger of terror attacks because some of these people have already been found on terrorist watch lists. Well, I will continue with this when we come back. I'll also talk about some of the other ways that um, our surrender to, F to the Taliban is affecting us. So stay tuned. Welcome back to the Terrorist Therapist Show. I'm Dr. Carol, a psychiatrist and your terrorist therapist. We're talking today about War on Terror 2.0. We've surrendered to the Taliban, now what? Well, um, when I left the last segment, I was telling you about the numbers. And again, really, you know the chaos that was happening at the airport in Afghanistan as people were rushing to get on planes and so on. And, um, and the... Um, you know, and, and even as people uh, deplaned de in various places, the num these are just approximate numbers. Um, so there's, needless to say, there's a lot of controversy in Congress. Of course, some of these things are still happening regardless of the controversy, like, like the surrender to the Taliban. But uh, in terms of the Afghans who are here in America, um, there are various points of view. Um, some people have said, and, and this is actually true, um, the, there's the idea that we should try and settle these individuals in other countries around Afghanistan that share their values and culture, especially if we can't ensure proper vetting. That's what one congressman said. Um, I mean, you know, of course, in general, people want to come to America, but um, or did, but, um, you know, it is really true that, and, and, you know, there, there has been, uh, one report, at least one report of, um, an Afghan, um, refugee who, um, was complaining about the food that he got at, he was at a base in America and he complained about um, getting only chicken and melon or something like that, and uh, said that you know he's not going to be fed again for twelve hours. Well, I'm going to tell you in a little bit, and, and as you might well already have guessed or know, um, people in Afghanistan are having a lot more problems than um, they're not getting chicken and melon. I can tell you that they're having problems. They're starving many of them, or certainly, you know, having very little foods, a less amount, lesser amount of food. In any case, um, uh, some other, another congressperson is saying we were lied to. These aren't translators or allies. These are just refugees, and who knows how they're being vetted. Uh, then others are complaining that Biden will give Afghan refugees health insurance. Then uh, someone else said these Afghan refugee women are going to give birth on American so soil in, on military bases, and these people are these children are going to become 
automatically Americans. Somebody else is saying Biden is treating illegal immigrant refugees better than American citizens. Someone else is saying allowing the evacuees to be eligible for green cards by this time next year. That's what he is planning to do or they think he's planning to do. Now, you know, this is a this is not an easy um, issue. I mean, this is not a this is a conundrum because America does, first of all, and a, a number, some number, don't know the number, neither does anybody else, quite frankly, um, of the Afghans who have arrived in America, uh, some number have been very helpful to Americans. And because Biden um, let uh, the list or the State Department or some, some um, governmental White House or some other governmental agency um, let a list, sent a list to Afghanistan, I think it was the White House, sent a list to Afghanistan um, naming the people who had helped America so what did the Afghans, what did the Taliban do? They went door to door looking for these people. I mean, you know, duh, <laughs> you, you just have to wonder who is running um, the country. I, I mean, the, the, most, the stupidest mistakes have been happening, so stupid that you have to ask yourself, are these stupid mistakes or is there really a plan afoot? A plan that hurts America because that is what is gonna be happening. Um, so anyhow, so the, um, so, so yes, the people who helped America as interpreters and in other ways, they were, would have been, or are some of many of them are still in Afghanistan and they are at grave risk. They are being sought after and killed and, and, and executed by the Taliban. So to some degree, you know, we have a responsibility to take care of these people or to, um, get them out of the country. Um, but, uh, you know, this is going to cost Americans um, who are here already, regular citizens, um, a lot of money. And, and more, more significantly, there is, because they cannot be properly vetted, there are too many of them to be properly vetted. And because it has already been found that a significant number have been on terrorist watch lists, we are in um, more danger from terrorist attacks than ever before. I mean, we talk about lone wolves like Americans, um, you know, uh, disgruntled Americans following being, uh, being persuaded by Al Qaeda or ISIS um, or, you know, any kinds of, um, propaganda to be to perpetrate attacks you know that has been happening and and uh and will happen in the future but now we are actually amongst the good guys amongst the good uh, afghans there are people who certainly snuck in not hard to do if you remember the scenes at the airport not hard to do they snuck in along with the good guys um for the purpose of course of, um, well, for one thing, they might well have wanted to get out of Afghanistan, just, you know, because uh, that is not Club Med, despite what the Taliban would like you to think in their press conference. Um, but besides that, they had evil intentions. Okay, now, um, believe it or not, there is a, a Congress, you, believe it or not, that this has to be suggested by a Congressman. I, I, one would have thought this was, was already the case, but at least fortunately, there is a congressman, Rubio to be, um, to be exact, who has proposed 
um, in Congress that the Biden administration designate the Taliban as a foreign terrorist organization and its new government as a state sponsor of terrorism. Well, duh, one would have thought that that would have happened already, but apparently not. Um, then, so he introduced legislation that would prohibit, in addition, that would prohibit federal departments and agencies from taking any action that's, that states or implies recognition of the Taliban's claim of sovereignty over Afghanistan. Well, like that's another um, no-brainer. Uh, he also suggested that, the, uh, that there's an annual report from the State Department about which countries have diplomatic relations with the Taliban and whether any foreign persons knowingly provide assistance to the Taliban. I mean, all of these things one would have assumed had already been in place. Um, and then he, they, uh, also, um, he also called for in his bill and his legislation, he also called for a requirement that US aid um, would ensure that any humanitarian assistance in Afghanistan or any other state in which foreign terrorist organizations hold territory or wield substantial power doesn't go to those terrorists. Well, you know, th that's, um, that's, yes, that's good, important. One would have assumed that there would have already been legislation for that, but it's also a little naive. Um, so now the Biden administration has described its dialogue with the Taliban as cooperative, quote unquote, businesslike and professional as, it, as it's been trying to have a diplomatic mission to evacuate remaining Americans. Well, you know, there have been so many different stories about what, what Biden is doing or isn't doing in regard to trying to get all Americans out. I mean, at the very beginning, he said he was, oh, yes, I'm going to get all Americans out. Then he later on, he, he backpedaled and he said, well, you know, we might not be able to get all of them out. And so you cannot believe what, um, you know, it, 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 the idea that we, we have, there are estimates are that we have at least a thousand Americans left in Afghanistan who want to come home, at least a thousand so they are not all home and Biden is expecting cooperation from the Taliban. Um, so now, and then he also said that he's in no rush to recognize the Taliban as the legitimate government of Af Afghanistan, theoretically, you know, uh, until we get the, um, our, our Americans home, but really it's not, um, it's not just a ploy to say, oh yeah, you know, that he won't recognize them until we all Americans are home. They're also, as I'm gonna tell you in a little bit, we have been already giving millions of dollars to Afghanistan uh, as, after our surrender. Um, and he's saying that it's gonna, the uh, recognition is gonna be dependent upon what the Taliban does, whether they allow the Americans to leave, um, how they treat women and girls, we'll see. Then we have a White House National Security Advisor, Jake Sullivan, who earlier in September said that humanitarian assistance is an, quote, important dimension, unquote, that should go, quote, directly to the people of Afghanistan, quote, we do go through non-governmental organizations who are still operating on the ground in Afghanistan. It will not flow through the Taliban. 
I mean, like, excuse me, do they not yet know how things work in Afghanistan? We've been there for 20 years. Do you really think that money that, that goes even to these NGOs, these non-governmental organizations, are not going to end up in the hands of the Taliban? How naive is that? That's the same thing as whether, you know, these, these mistakes are so ridiculous. Are, are they not on purpose? Same thing with that, with the money. Um, when we come back, I will tell you about uh, this picture that I saw this morning, and I will tell you where you too can see it, but it is such a stunning and incongruous photograph of the Taliban that it, you, you know, you don't know whether to laugh or to be horrified. And I will give you reasons as to why you might want to do one or the other. So stay tuned. Welcome back to the Terrorist Therapist Show, where we're talking about War on Terror 2.0. We've surrendered to the Taliban. Now what? Well, I promised you uh, to tell you about this picture. Stunning, incongruous you can decide whether you want to, I mean, you, it, it makes you kind of both want to laugh and be horrified. Uh, there is a picture, a photograph, a couple of photographs in the Daily Mail. I love the Daily Mail um, because, you know, it's a little less um, free of the political divisiveness that there is in America. In other words, this is a UK paper and um, they go into things in depth, stories in depth, which I like. And they are, are you know, they talk about things that are, have to do with political parties in America, but they, you know, they identify which party and so on, and they're not necessarily on one side or the other. Um, so <laughs> that's why I like to I read it every day. In any case, today, much to my <laughs> wondering eyes might appear, um, there was a picture, pictures of the Taliban on a lake in Afghanistan in paddle boats, brightly colored paddle boats, the kinds you might see at a lake resort that you could rent. These were boats of swans in the shape of swans. And here are these big you know, big with their, especially with their coats and their weapons and everything else, these big Taliban fighters stuck, squished into these swans on a lake, lying back in their chairs, paddling, peddling um, these swans, relaxing as if they were on vacation in some lakeside resort. Now, you know, in a way, it's ridiculous. I mean, so you, you kind of want to laugh because it's so incongruous. These, these men in their military gear and so on stuffed into these paddle boats. But on the other hand, you think about the, the men who joined the military after 9-11 to protect America, who gave their lives who gave their limbs, who gave their psychological well-being to fight for America 
for your freedom, if you're listening from America, for all the West freedom, I know there are people, you know, it's amazing the number of countries who listen to this terrorist therapist. I thank you all for listening. Not only are there people from America and, and various Western um, uh, countries, but also there are, there are um, countries that are, are listening, people who are listening in Russia and Saudi Arabia and so on, all over the world, basically. And I really appreciate your listening. I hope you continue to find it interesting. Um, and there has been an increase in the number of listeners, by the way, um, through 9-11. I mean, I think because people are realizing that, um, that this is a more, you know, that everybody, everybody, every country has to pay attention to terrorism now, you know, before, and especially Americans. Americans were the worst at this. We are great at denial. And Americans after have been wanting since 9-11 more and more to try to pretend that we don't have to worry. What's terrorism? We don't have to worry about terrorism. That's not going to happen again. So now more people are realizing that we do need to understand terrorism. We need to think about this. We need to talk about these issues. We need to look about at these things. You know, I try to talk about these things. I try to be as apolitical as possible. Sometimes it's kind of impossible because it's Biden who made this, this the worst mistake that America has ever made in terms of foreign countries, foreign, what we do on foreign soil. Um, and so, I mean, I, I, I'm sorry, that's who did it. <laughs> that's who the president is. So I have to call it like I see it, but I, I do try um, to not, make this political other than to tell the truth about things in any case. Um, so, the, you know, the uh, I tweeted this picture, this article this morning, and I said, um, once America is away, the Taliban will play. Taliban enjoy their pleasure island with not a care in the world, while America is at greater risk from terrorists, from terrorists than ever. We can always hope the Taliban turn into donkeys like bad boys in Pinocchio. I'm sorry, let me read that again because uh, my point is I am comparing pleasure. I'm saying that the Taliban are like on a pleasure island. And you remember in the story of Pinocchio, there's a pleasure island where bad boys, you know, where Pinocchio went, he was, he was sort of uh, led in onto Pleasure Island, and it's all kinds of things that boys aren't supposed to get into, all kinds of like sinful pleasures. And so they start turning into donkeys, uh, their ears start growing into donkey ears and so on. So let me just read this again. Once America's away, the Taliban will play. The Taliban enjoy their pleasure island with not a care in the world, while America is at greater risk from terrorism than ever. We can always hope Taliban turn into donkeys like bad boys in Pinocchio's in Pinocchio, so they can't hurt us. In other words, we are more at risk by terror from terrorists, but we can always hope, you know, that they enjoy their pleasure island and forget about attacking America, which is yes, wishful thinking. Um, in any case, you need to go see this. It's uh, you can either go to the Daily Mail or you can go to my uh, twi Twitter page. Um, and the article is entitled Armed Taliban Fighters Ride Pedalos, you know, pedal boats on the lake in Afghanistan National Park. Um, I, I mean, it's just, 
Uh, they've also been setting up, this is another little intriguing factoid, um, the Taliban and new rulers have been setting up a ministry for the propagation of virtue and prevention of vice. The propagation of virtue and prevention of vice. A ministry. Now, what does that make you think of? In 1984, there were ministries of truth, peace, etc. You know, George Orwell's 1984. And in Harry Potter, there was the Ministry of Magic. So... I don't know if the Taliban thought up this on themselves, whether they read Harry Potter or, uh, or 1984. <laughs> but in any case, we have ministry, their ministry uh, in the building that once housed the Women's Affairs Ministry. Now, um, just as a little side note, you know, I hope you watched the uh, press conference, the first press conference of the Taliban, where they put on, they acted like they were teddy bears and that um, like Afghanistan was going to be a Club Med resort, you know, come to Club Med in Afghanistan. And, um, and there was a, the first question, the first reporter that they called upon um, was a woman. And she asked a question about how women were going to be treated and so on. And, you know, just like in 1984, they talked in newspeak. In other words, they, 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 they hid their real intentions uh, with language. And so they said, yes, women, oh, we're going to treat women well. They're going to be treated um, according to Sharia law, or according to um, the traditional Islamic law or something like that. And, uh, but the way that they said it, they said it much better than I just did. And the way that they said it, it was to give the impression, and I think it was successful for some people, to give the impression that they were going to treat women well, unlike how the Taliban had treated women in the past. But if you look at Sharia law, if you know Sharia law, you know that women are treated very badly under Sharia law. And so really he was saying to this woman journalist, oh yeah, we're gonna treat women well, just like Sharia law, <laughs> you know, just like they are, they, they, they're, we, it's, we're told to do in Sharia law or in Islamic tradition or something. Um, and so what he was really saying was that women were gonna be treated really badly like they were before, but, but it was not picked up. I mean, obviously some people picked up on that, but, but you know, for the most part, um, the media did not pick up on it. And this woman, I don't, I don't know what, what uh, outlet, media outlet she worked for. I don't know if she, how she reported that, but I, it was, you know, it was reported some, and some people took it seriously, took it at face value. But in fact, so far what they're doing, uh, you know, a lot of women have been, have been treated very badly, um, violently attacked. And uh, also um, now they are preventing most female city workers from returning to their jobs. And um, they are enforcing the harsh interpretation of Islam, which you know, is Sharia law and is, uh, treats women badly. And they are excluding girls from returning to secondary school. Already they're doing this. So much for, uh, you know, oh, we're going to treat women well. Now, um, let me, um, let me uh, t tell you about the money that has been flowing into Afghanistan since we surrendered to the Taliban. 
Um, and similar to the Afghan in America who I was describing, who was not happy with his chicken and melon <laughs> um, or whatever the fruit was, um, the Taliban is uh, pretty greedy too. They have thanked the world for pledging more than a billion dollars in emergency aid to Afghanistan, uh, more than a billion dollars. Do you know there are people in America and in other countries, I don't want to just, you know, there are people in other, in the West, there are people in various countries who um, do not have such harsh rules, do not execute people, for example, and are not out to, um, to take over the West. There are people in other countries who are going hungry and who need aid. And certainly there are the homeless in America, the, the uh, problem of the homeless in America is worse than ever. And we're giving uh, $64 million. The United States has so far pledged $64 million uh, to Afghanistan. And in general, they have gotten or they've gotten pledges for more than a billion dollars. Well, don't you think the whole, I mean, imagine that would take care of all the homeless in America. Even the 64 million would take care of the homeless in America, uh, at least, you know, to a large degree, maybe, maybe not all of them completely, but it would make a significant dent. So the Taliban has thanked the world for pledging more than a billion dollars in emergency aid, and they urged the U.S. to show heart by donating more. Okay, the, that uh, 64 million isn't enough. Um, the, far, the acting foreign minister uh, of the Taliban told a press conference that the Taliban would spend donor money wisely and use it to alleviate uh, poverty. Now, if you believe that, I have a bridge in Brooklyn that I would like to send you, sell you. Uh, he also said, quote, the Islamic Emirate will try its best to deliver this aid to the need, try its best, you see, <laughs> they have things incorporated also, um, you know, well, we tried, <laughs> we couldn't quite do it, but we tried, try its best to deliver this aid to the needy people in a completely transparent manner. And he said this um, a day after the United Nations said a total of 1.2 billion in aid had been pledged to Afghanistan which includes uh, the US's 64 million. He also, um, the Taliban now, the, um, the uh, spokesperson, also asked Washington to show appreciation for the Taliban by allowing, for allowing the, the US to complete a troop withdrawal and evacuation of more than 120,000 people. Now, you know, again, the numbers, you know, <laughs> Uh, the numbers are all questionable, but in any case, so, so they're asking for more money from the U.S., and they're saying that one reason why we should give them more money is because they were very nice, because they let us take out our troops and evacuate um, people, a lot of people. Um, and he said that they already uh, received aid from countries including Pakistan and Qatar and Uzbekistan. And then they, he talked about uh, China has promised 31 million for 31 million worth of food and health supplies. Now, if they are going to be sending the food and health supplies, actually bringing tangible items uh, to Afghanistan instead of just sending money, 
that would be um, a good way of, of donating money if one donates money rather than just sending actual uh, dollars or you know whatever one's currency is because you know that no that means that that uh, I mean not to say that the Taliban can't abscond with food and health supplies but there's food lasts only a limited amount of time um, then uh, China is also sending the first batch of three million coronavirus vaccines. Uh, Pakistan sent um, food and medicine also, and um, Iran uh, sent a, an air cargo of aid, whatever, probably also of tangible items, not an air cargo of money, one would hope. Um, then China and Russia are saying that, that the uh, Western countries should bear the burden of helping Afghanistan more. Norway pledged 11.5 million. Um, the UN chief said he believed aid could be used as leverage with the Taliban to get improvements, to make them make improvements on human rights um, where there's this fear that there's going to be a return to the brutal rule of the Taliban from the beginning from, that occurred between 1996 to 2001. Well, again, naivete, this is the UN chief um, who is, you know, <laughs> believing that we can, we can uh, believe the promises of the Taliban who have promised a milder form of rule. And, but we, you know, we have seen what they have done so far already. They've been, um, they've been perpetrating violence going from house to house, firing in the air to disperse protests by women recently about education and work, like what I was just talking about, how they're not allowed to go to school and to work in jo city, some jobs. And uh, the, the cabinet, of course, uh, inclu includes no women. Now, there is, a, there is definitely a, a, a crisis situation in Afghanistan. The people, you know, other than the Taliban, I mean, the there are people there who are not Taliban and not other kinds of, not ISIS, not Al Qaeda, um, who are starving. And the United States does have some responsibility to provide aid to them, uh, to make sure that they get something to eat and so on. Um, because it was our withdrawal that caused um, this, this problem, that caused things, the, the, the circumstances there to be as dire as they have turned out to be. And of course, as we have already seen, the Taliban has not been keeping any promises of being teddy bears. This is not Club Med. Do not buy a ticket. Uh, there are already people going to Afghanistan, however, to join the Taliban, to join ISIS, to join Al-Qaeda. You know, that started um, as America was pulling out and as they did their first press conference, that did influence a lot of people to come there. <sighs> so what's the bottom line? The war on terror 2.0, it's uncharted territory. Um and I will be keeping you aware of the latest, uh, the latest news and how to interpret it, or my impression of how to interpret it. I interpret these things psychologically. Um, and let me remind you again to go to terroristtherapist.com if you would like to see the 15-minute uh, music video 
that I created for the 20, 20th anniversary of 9-11. Thank you for listening. You've been listening to The Terrorist Therapist Show, and I'm Dr. Carol, your terrorist therapist. If you would like to find out more about terrorism from me, your terrorist therapist, visit my website, terroristtherapist.com. And if you're a parent or teacher and want to build stronger nests for your kids to become more resilient, check out my new award-winning book, Lions and Tigers and Terrorists, Oh My, How to Protect Your Child in a Time of Terror. It's the first and only book about terrorism for kids. You can find it wherever books are sold or directly from the publisher at terrorismforkids.com. Terrorism, the number four, kids.com. I'm Dr. Carol, your terrorist therapist. Thank you for listening to The Terrorist Therapist Show on Renegade Talk Radio with your host, Dr. Carol. We hope listening to the show has made you feel calmer, more resilient, and more able to reach your dreams despite living in a time of terror. You can also check out past shows on Renegade Talk Archives for more insights.